podcast is brought to you by EJA Services, a moving company located out of the Utica, Rome area, but servicing all of Central New York and beyond. Let's face it, moving can be stressful. Relax and let the reliable movers take care of tasks for you. From antiques to electronics to home decor items, they have the experience and the equipment to ensure your items will arrive at their destination unblemished and on time. They can move everything from your apartment, condominium, townhouse, single-family home, or office with ease. Competitively priced movers in Utica, New York. Again, they service all of something New York beyond. Moving help, relocation services, office moves, complete packaging services, unpacking, loading services. You know what? Maybe you bought some new items for your office or your home. Shouldn't have to stress about that because they can deliver those things too. Contact their moving and delivery specialist to help you have the new furniture, art, piano, items delivered. Visit their office at 9772 River Road in Marcy, New York, or call them at 315-335-0516. That's 315-335-0516. Or go to their website, ejamoving.com, and tell them that Just Joe sent you. Me just jumping in here just to remind you, just to remind you that the Royal Auto Group and Jason Allen are a sponsor of this amazing podcast Thank you, Jason. RoyalAutoGroup.com. That is RoyalAutoGroup.com. The Just Show podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors. And my good friend, Charlie, when it comes to hardwood floors, nobody better in the central New York area than him. He's been doing it his entire life. I mean, entire life. You've walked on floors that he's probably done. You've seen floors. You've seen basketball probably played on those floors. You just ripped up some carpet in your house, realized you got these beautiful hardwood floors underneath it. You want to make them look good? Call Charlie. Call Charlie at 315-463-0674 or at AdvantageHardwoodFloors at gmail.com. What is up, y'all? Y'all, yo, yo. I kind of was, I got confused as to what I was going to say in the middle of that sentence. Oh, well. I could edit it, but why not? This is just, this is real life. This is real life. Welcome to episode 51. We've been cruising along. Uh, today's guest is, uh, I stumbled upon her. In the wonderful world of Twitch, as you've noticed, I've been bringing a lot more Twitch artists on, um, but they have so many amazing, crazy backstories, you know, and this one is, I wouldn't say crazy, but one of the most interesting ones that I have come across. She's insanely talented. Um, she is Russian. She was born and raised in Russia, and we're going to talk about that whole journey of how she ended up in the States. Um her name is Marina V. She's born in the city of Moscow, and uh, she's been playing all over the place for a long, 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 long time. We're going to talk about her career. We're going to talk about what it took to get over here to the United States. We're going to talk about her collaborations with some pretty big names. Um, we're going to talk about Twitch. We're going to talk about music. I just, I want her to be able to tell this story because it's... Um, for the more I read about her, the more I'm fascinated by it. So I'm really excited about this guest. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, please welcome Marina V. So how are you this afternoon? Good? Doing fine. Thank you. Yes. You know, <laughs> we have a small child. So, uh, and my husband watches her the first half of the day. I mean, I watch her the first half of the day while he's working and then with, with Flip. And we're, we're together and married, but we both work from home. <laughs> so it's like, it's like you, you run through, you, you're like, all right, high five, t-, you tag him in and you, and you switch. Pretty much. 
we joke like with hot potato around, you know, basically. <laughs> That's great. That's but yeah, so, that's that's amazing. Like so many kids don't have that option to be home with their parents all day. I know. You know. I know. And this is it's just a really cool. Eventually, whenever this stupid virus subsides, sort of, or when they start vaccinating kids, we really hope to take a part time to daycare because she does need other kids. I think it's very healthy. Yeah, absolutely. But for for now, she's two and a half. We can wait a few more months. But I'm definitely ready for her to be gone out of the house so I have some space to myself. So I really, like, as a musician, as a songwriter, I need it quiet. Yes, you And do. she's not a quiet kid. <laughs> I, I know I know the feeling. My daughter's a little bit better at it now. She's gotten older. Before, I'd be like, hey, Dad, you know, years ago, like two, three years ago, it was different. I'd go in my studio. I'd be in the middle of just killing a track, you know, just like I'm singing, singing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she goes, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you try not to, you're like, you, you put the finger up, like, hang on. And, you, and then you're like, man, I lost it. I'm like, you just hit stop. You're like, what's up, baby? You know, but now, but now she knows, or she'll hear me in here and I'll, I'll, she'll, now she busts my chops. Cause now she'll, uh, um, I'll make a mistake. And I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, be making something and you hear me editing something out. She's like, daddy, did you have a screw up? I go, yep, honey. I oh my God, up. that's funny. I mean, that's How old is she now? All, she's eight. So I mean that's okay. all that's all she's ever known. She's known that daddy is in there, and your and, and your kid's going to be the same way. That they're getting, yeah. they're getting quite an experience that you know neither of. I mean, I didn't have growing up, but but so no, for sure. Well, I didn't. My parents were not musical at all. So it's curious. It's interesting to me how she's going to turn out. Yeah. Because so far she doesn't show like. You know, some kids start singing at like one or one and a half. She's two and a half. She's not like, sing- she's singing, but poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, my, my, my daughter did the same, um, which kind of brings me. I already, I hit record as soon as someone starts, as soon as the phone call oh. comes through. So it doesn't matter. I, I like the, I like the podcast to kind of just flow on its own. And then my, my editor will edit out anything that doesn't really make any sense. But I kind of like, that's kind of a segue because I, the intro that I said is that you were, you were born in, in Moscow. You grew up in Russia for yes. the majority of your early years until you were, I believe, mid teenager, right? Before you came to yes, the States. Yes, I was 15. Uh-huh, I was 15. Wow. I mean, I mean, all of us have perspective of like, you know, I grew up in the United States or I grew up in Canada. I grew up in England, but it's like when you meet somebody that grows up in Russia, you know, and obviously myself growing up during Cold War times, you know, we always had this very vision or this feeling of like what Russia was or the USSR was, you know, in the United States. But like, you forget that's a very, that's a political side of thing. And then underneath that, it's just people there, just like there is here, you know, learning music. Absolutely. That's what I always say when I play shows. People are people everywhere you go. I've got to, I've gotten to tour all around the world in places where I don't speak one word. I mean, I try to learn at least one word right. wherever I go, <laughs> but you know, don't say, I don't know much of the rest of the language. And that's what I found just something so simple we are really all people the rest is kind of you know superficial but deep down we all want to be loved we want to have family and good food and good times and have security for ourselves and our loved ones and that's pretty much it yeah (laughs) the rest is kind of uh, yeah it's it's almost projected on us and we are forced into being divided which is very beneficial for those in power 
and that's all really there is for my experience. Yeah. So, so you weren't, we'll, we'll catch up to now, but like, so you, you said your parents weren't musical, but how did you, how did you find music? Like what, what, what was like, what introduced you to music? Like I, my parents were kind of musical. They were listening to music, but my brothers were kind of musical, but listening to music and it, that just kind of eventually found me to the piano. Cause my mom, my mom kind of played piano and there was a piano in the house. So I just started sitting down playing at a very young age and then it just kind of blossomed there. But like, what, how was, where did it all come in and when did it be think you're like, wow, this is something I really, really enjoy. Um, very good question. By the way, I have to say, you are such an amazing pianist. You're really, really oh, great. Uh, I, I love watching you perform and, I, my fingers don't move as quickly as yours do. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank so anyway, you. I, I just want to say I really admire you as a musician. You're, you're pretty awesome. In my book. Likewise, likewise. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Joe. So uh, to answer your question, my mom um, was and is um, a psychologist, and my dad um, was a nuclear physicist and actually quite kind of anti-USA when I was growing up. Well, he was I kind of brainwashed I, a bit. I could <laughs> imagine being in what he was doing and when he grew up and like, you know, his formal years, that was just nothing but like, that was a, I could imagine. I could only imagine. Yeah. And, and my grandpa, my mom's dad well, um, was an airplane engineer. He was one of the designers of MiG-29, which is a fighter yeah. jet. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, height of Cold War, hatred towards the West, you know, all kind of like that. So it's very interesting. Anyway, and nobody was really musical. My, my grandmother, my mom's mom had a piano in her apartment. Cause in Moscow, everybody lives and still lives in apartments. Um, she had a piano, but she could literally play just like, you know, like twinkle, twinkle, little star type of thing. Mm. Um, and that's it. And nobody listened to music, only classical in my house. We didn't have, my mom and dad did not even have a record player. There was, there was nothing. There was no cassette player, nothing. There was always silence. <laughs> and then my, oh my grandparents play. Yeah, I write it now looking back like what the heck. <laughs> and uh, and then my grandparents place. Uh, my grandfather was a huge aficionado of classical music. So I've only heard classical. So I don't know. But I started writing music in my head. Like for as long as I can remember myself, my early self, I've always had music going in my head. And I don't know how the hell that happened. It's kind of a mystery. No, and then you, my mom you, you were born. You were born with it. You were born with it. Like some musicians come into it, and some of them like it's just in you, and that's what it was. It was the same way with me. So I, I get what you're saying. I completely get what you're saying. But I mean, I was thinking like, if my parents were musical, and let's say I grew up like with singer songwriters around, I would have had like a whole different life because for a while I didn't even know music was a choice like to over career. Right. So anyway, so I started writing songs in my head when I was very, very little. And then my mom saw that I was uh, singing really well. And she took me to classical school of music. That was like the only thing in the Soviet Union you could do because there's no like pop or there's no songwriting. That's you know, only, you know, kind of the classical right. approach. So, and they liked my singing. So I went for eight years to classical school of music after each day after normal school like i would go to normal school and then in the evenings i would go to school music for eight years and i i studied piano and choir and like how to notate stuff and how to direct a choir holy, holy work ethic like bestowed upon you because you, you just want to do something so like you were like you woke up you went to school you went to other school you came home you probably ate you went to sleep 
That was pretty much it. It's not a bad <laughs> existence, now looking back, right? To be honest, it was actually, now looking back, I think it's good. It was a good thing. I resisted and resented some of it because I would see kids playing outside and I, you know, I had to do homework sometime, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it was weird. But so that helped me, gave me the discipline and wrestling teachers are pretty crazy yeah. um, in terms of very, very strict and make sure you get your, you know, your work done and uh, you work on your technique. So it was as good as it was, it was opposite of uh, creative. Right. So it was kind of like, but at the same time, it gave me the technique. So I'm not really complaining, but it was like, uh, I, one thing, um, I was about 11 years old and my mom said, hey, you should really play one of your own songs to your teacher because I've been already writing songs like and playing them and singing them on the piano. So she took me to my piano teacher and said, hey, because I was so shy, I was really embarrassed to play my own songs to anybody. And so I played them for my teacher and my teacher took my mom aside and told her that my songs didn't make any sense. <laughs> and and then I didn't know that until like a few days later. And then finally my mom said, well, that's what she said. And I was so devastated. But now the crazy thing, Joe, is I had a cassette player, one of those mono ones. Yeah, um, yeah. I had and I, had, I used to be... Okay, yeah, um, they were wonderful. It was just, and I found some of those tapes years oh, later. Man. Those songs were really good, actually. You know, well, now as a songwriter looking back, so I don't know what the heck she was talking about. But I mean, she was a Soviet classical music school teacher. You know, you can't really expect somebody like that to understand. Like nobody around her ever probably has written a song, so she probably didn't know what to do with me because I don't know why else would you say that to a kid. It's like opposite of, of America, right? Here, like you can be just absolutely terrible as a kid at something, and people say, "Good job, keep right, going. right, right, way to go." Oh my god! And what? they're like, uh, you, "Like you suck, stop." <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a, what a discouragement, and but it, I mean, it didn't discourage you to the point, but I mean, some people would have gotten that news and just like, "Well, that that's it, I'm done," you know. But that you know, it somehow motivated you or it's planted a seed in you. But I mean, it's it's tough, like you said, like with, without you having like that the music that I had like growing up around me, it's really tough for you to have some kind of perspective as to how to like, like what you're even doing. You're just doing what your body and your mind is telling you to do. Right. Yeah. And I was the only one that I knew that has written songs and wrote my own stuff. And I, to be honest, um, I kind of kept it to myself for a long time. And then I came to America as an exchange student when I was 15 years old and I got transformed. I felt transformed by the positivity of American culture. Um, like, you know, like I was just saying, they say to kids, like, good job, way to go. Even they might, might suck. Right, <laughs> but right. Still, but the encouragement and the kind of the nurture and positivity and optimism is kind of is here in the culture in America and it's hard to understand unless you have fully like lived or experienced other cultures. Americans are pretty damn optimistic and positive compared to a lot of European cultures. Oh, I, for example, I, I, <laughs> man, that's not that's not saying much because considering some of the people that I know, I'm like, oh my god, you guys are so pessimistic. But I mean, that's that. Well, that's I know they're rays of frick, they're rays of freaking sunshine, Joe, compared <laughs> to the, the typical Russian. So it's a really weird, different culture. And once I realized. Like as a teenager, it was such a profound feeling. Like I felt like I bloomed 
Yeah. Like within just the 11 months that I lived in America and I knew like this had to be my home and I knew I was going to have to like, Is that, I felt like I was given a chance to, oh, absolutely. to be myself, but I never felt that in Russia, which sucked. And the Russian culture is still kind of very much like that. So when did you get, much inter- better than before. Yeah. when did you get introduced to like what we've considered pop music or like, you know, the other world of music. When when did that happen? Did that happen when you became an exchange student, came here at 15, or was there glimpses of that before then? Because I imagine, I think you're, how, how old are you now? Are you almost 40 now? I'm, I'm, I'm 43. I just turned 43. Okay, Don't so you're not, anybody. <laughs> so you're not, you're not much, you're not much younger than me. So like, um, you obviously remember the ending of the cold war and the, the, the everything started peeling back, but did, was there an influx of some more American music or other worldly music that came introduction in your life before you made it to the States or was the States your introduction to that style? Yes and no. So, um, the Soviet Union officially prohibited a lot of the music that was from anywhere outside of the Soviet Union. Some of it has made it into it officially. Like for example, not all of the Beatles were allowed some of the Beatles music was officially released, like some, and I don't know, like, of course not the songs like revolution or anything like that. Right. Right. Um, but you know, like some kind of the milder stuff. And then, uh, people also did a lot of bootleg stuff. So some people managed to sneak music in and, and then like ABBA was, you know, I remember even yeah. though I grew up in the late eighties, early nineties, Apple was like a big thing. Right. Um, you know, and like in the early nineties, then we got like all of this stuff when I was already like 12 uh, or 11, but like not, not before then. So I had nothing. I heard almost none of that. I was like 11 when I heard the Beatles for the first time and fell in love. Oh. But uh, <laughs> isn't that amazing? If now I- looking back, I'm like, it was like this, so much music that everybody in the world has grown up with and just knows. Like, everybody's known the Beatles, the Stones, right. like, Aerosmith, you know, like, Elvis. I heard none of that until I was, like, 11 Oh, that, that must Isn't have that been... crazy? I can't imagine yeah. trying to put... I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and having that type of experience after having silence in your house, other than you going to school and working on the music in the evening, and the type of music, like to hear that at that age and at that age, you, you know, you're starting to become a young adult. You, you're having perspective of the world. You got these, you know, and then to have that thrown at you, that must have been like, yeah, I could just picture like this look on your face. Like, what is this? What is this? What am I listening to? You know, like and just blowing your mind. Oh, yeah, it is. And it, it was like that. And now looking back, because I realize there's sometimes like even Nick, my husband and my co-writer, he was born in, uh, in the 70s in the United States. And he's a huge music fan. And sometimes we'll like sit in a restaurant or whatever. And their song comes on. Cause, oh, that's a song of my childhood. Like never heard it ever. <laughs> like how, so how, how it was like a top hit. Like the whole year it was like on the radio. I'm like, nope, never heard it. <laughs> and it's just like it's weird because like to everybody else even if you don't listen to it um actively somehow like in the grocery store in the in the background on the radio yeah, it was right. somehow somewhere but not for me and <laughs> not for people of my generation so it's really funny as a musician who i now try to educate myself on all genres and everything so many things it's like are so alien and new to me so now like you guys grow up with it and you love it because it's part of your childhood for me i look at it as an adult 
like, well, I, I don't feel the love and appreciation that you guys do for certain things. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I have come to it at a much later age. It, I didn't grow up with it, so I don't have the sentiment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. On a soldier, yeah. We grow up and you're like immediately zap. I mean, I hear songs that I'm zapped back to like being four and five yeah. years old when I first started playing music and you're having those really deep, but you don't have those. You, you started catching those later on, but at least you did, you know? So, so you, you came to the States, you knew that you wanted to be in the States, but you had to go back to Russia and like, how did, how did you, how did you get yourself back here? After that experience. Um, so, yeah, so I went, I won this big scholarship, and later I found out about 100,000 kids from the former Soviet Union competed, and only um, a handful won that scholarship, wow. which was amazing. And I didn't know the scope of it. I knew it was a big competition because it was totally free um, and available to any students as long as they were, uh, they had good grades and good health and some social skills and yeah. could speak some English. But anyway, so I spent a year, uh, 11 months in Springfield, Illinois. That's where they placed me. Uh, and then I went back to Russia after that uh, one year. And I had, I had to go back by the contract, I couldn't just stay. Right. And I was 16 by then. Um, and I went back and my mom told me she was divorcing my dad, which was a really, really good thing. Because <laughs> they were just not very happy for many years. And then she was moving to Australia. And it was all kind of coincided that I was ready to go to America. And now there was like nothing holding me back. Cause like half of my family was on the other side of the world. So right. I thought this is the time for me. So I finished school. Like I got, um, I studied at home because they didn't count my whole year in America <laughs> in, uh, in Russia. So it was basically just fun experience that wasn't counted. Yeah. So I finished school in a few months and got a job because I spoke really, really good English after a year in America. I got a job at Cadbury Schweppes Company as a secretary, and I was making more money than my father at that time, who was a nuclear physicist. Isn't that crazy? Because Russia in the 90s was the Wild West. Things kind of got turned upside down. So I managed to save enough money to buy tickets back to America, and I got the visa. Because you have to have proper documents to yeah. go and get my parents to sign off because I was a minor. And I went back. Huh. And what was your plan? Is just like, I just want to get back to the States. I'll figure it out when I get there. Or did you have like some kind of like, hey, when I get back, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to enter in some kind yes. of school. Yes. Because it's not just like I can do whatever I want as a Russian or a lot of people from Eastern Europe or from other countries. You can just come here willy-nilly, you have to have the visa and the proper documents, and it's really difficult to obtain. A lot of people get denied, even if they just want to visit. So the fact that I got granted a visa to return, that was a miracle in its own. And then I had only one month visitor uh, visa, so I could only stay one month. So my, my dream was to figure out a way to get a, apply to university, get a scholarship, and then come back as a student and a student visa. Well, Several things did not work out, but I had really, really amazing um, people who were friends of my mom, um, American people in Chicago who hired an immigration attorney for me, which at that point it was like, I would have, it was like a money I could have never even yeah, dreamt of. Can imagine. And then imagine how much those things are, several thousand dollars. Right. Um, and they hired me an immigration attorney and then I got a really good scholarship to uh, a private college, a liberal arts school, and 
these nice people in Chicago that paid the difference between my scholarship and what we rode. And between their, from their help and everything that worked out, I was able to stay and change my visa to student visa, and I've been here for my citizens. Wow. I'm just very lucky, Joe. I had really nice people on my side who wanted to help me. Yeah, because that could have... I'm sure there's a lot of people that were going down the same, a similar path as you and didn't have the same outcome and ended up back in Russia or oh, somewhere else. Oh, you know? Of course. Oh, of course. So people like, I, I've heard of people marrying just for the documents and it's also awful on every side and manages to suffer usually in those circumstances. And a lot of things would have gone really wrong, but I was lucky. I had really good people who yeah. helped me. That, that's the, uni- the that, whether you believe in God or, or a higher power or the universe, there was, there was something watching out for you, guiding you on a path that was much bigger than you can ever imagine. So that's why those people were, that's what I believe. Those people were placed in your path for a reason, you know? Yeah. You know, now looking back, it is just an absolutely miraculous thing for anybody who knows immigrants and people who move to this country. It is really, really a tremendous difficulty unless you're like super wealthy or from like England and super wealthy from England. It would normal English people have hard time staying here. Right. Um, but you know what I mean? So it was really a, a miracle the way it all worked out. And then um, uh, first year of my university, I met a guy who was a musician and we fell in love and uh, I started writing songs and touring. And so you, you met, you met your husband when you were 19 and you guys have been together ever since. Yep, I had just turned 19 when I met him. I was like uh, a few a few weeks after I turned 19, and we were sitting both in a fitness club in a jacuzzi, and he came up to me, and we started talking, and he said, I write music. I'm like, wow, I write music too. But at that point, I had never played my music to anybody else, really, because I had kind of a, <laughs> I was just really <laughs> No <laughs> one understands, I don't understand this. So yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no, but yeah, I don't know anybody like that. So, and then, well, I'd like to hear your music, and it kind of worked out that, you know, we just really hit it off. And and then right around the same time, a couple months later, at my university, there was a student talent competition thingy, <laughs> like uh, the, the, yeah. the talent evening where the whole campus had, they had to attend because they gave, like, points to students for attending those things. So the whole university, all thousands of them, everybody showed up. And I played my my original song to a thousand people, and I won the first prize, which was a hundred bucks. It was a huge deal in every for, for a college kid. Hundred bucks, man! Whoo, that's that's I know, you're living high I right know. there. Yeah, in the late nineties, that was big deal. Yes, it was. Um, anyway, but but more than anything, the fact that I played my song in front of people, and then people came up to me. The crazy thing, Joe, that's what really did it for me because. Like when your boyfriend tells you he likes your songs, like, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's hard to believe. But when a stranger, somebody you don't know comes up to you, like I remember one student came up to me, my peer came up to me and said, your song was so moving, I cried. Wow. And it was like another like 19-year-old telling me that. <laughs> and then several people said, that this was just like so good. Another person said they had tears in their eyes. It was a sad song. That, so this, this like, is so, your... I did not expect, I did not, that was my first time Doing public performance. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, all right, well, and, and your story keeps getting more fascinating for you. Like most people, like, yeah, my first perform, like my per- first performance was like in a church for my, for 
for my piano recital when I was like 15 or 16 years old. Right. Okay. You know, so, and, and it was, you know, probably 30 people there, you know, like you, you're, you're thrown right to the wolves. You're like, I've never even before. I mean, I had performed at my fam for my family and friends prior to that, Mm -hmm. but like, you're like, Hey man, I'm going to perform in two in front of 2000 people and I'm going to (laughs) win and I'm going to (laughs) win. That's well, I awesome. didn't. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I was shaking like crazy, and it was not two thousand. It was just the one thousand people. Uh, but okay, one thousand. I had thirty. Okay, a thousand is still a lot of people for your first performance. And like when for you, when you performed, like for me, I had never sung in a microphone before. So, <laughs> so it, you know how it is. It's like a whole skill singing in a mic and hearing yeah. yourself. And I didn't have a monitor, which is uh, you know insane now thinking about it. Um, looking back in, in a big space like this, imagine the reverberation. But, but like, did you have a mic? Like, had you did you have experience with a microphone when you performed for the first time? Yeah, I did. You know, because okay. I, I grew okay. up. I grew up. I had. I had this little thing. We had this thing in when I was growing up called Mr. Microphone, right? It was a toy you could buy at any department store, uh-huh. like a Kmart or like a Walmart or something like that. You could buy that. And if you could find this part of the radio where there was no radio stations, you could tune in and all of a sudden you could broadcast your voice into any radio, whether it's in a car or all that. That's so really I, cool. I, I had one of those. So then I became like, I would come into the kitchen and I'm like, I'm going to, you know, I would perform concerts for my, you know, my family. So yeah, I had some kind of, a, that was like my first experience with a microphone, but I couldn't imagine like, okay, 19 thousand people nervous never sang into a microphone you don't have a monitor which you don't even know if you need one or not and then you start <laughs> no sing- i didn't know there was a thing <laughs> yeah right you didn't even know there's a thing and then you're like well i really can't hear myself but i can kind of hear myself but i can't hear my well whatever i'm just gonna go with it but that probably worked out <laughs> it probably worked out best for you that you didn't know those things because then you're like you know what i'm just gonna go to what i feel and then you played from your heart that might have changed if you had all those other things in place or you were aware of that, you know? So like those things are sometimes so organic. That's what came out yeah. of you, you know? So then you were probably, to be honest, I was so nervous. Now looking back, I remember I was so nervous. I was shaking. I was, my priority was just not to embarrass myself and <laughs> not like to make a mistake or not to fall off. Seriously. Cause I was so nervous. I was worried that I would just like, I don't know. Has it ever happened to you during piano recitals when your fingers oh, kind of freeze? Yes. It still does. So I'll be in the middle of it. I'll I, be, I still do that all the time. Well, well, I had that happen when I was doing classical training, when I just played piano. I was never like a great, great pianist. Uh, and that's just the truth. My fingers just even move quickly, just the way I'm built, I guess. Right. But when I was nervous and doing piano recitals, not, not singing, because I never sang in the school of music. I, uh, I only played piano. So I remember recitals, like sometimes the fingers just like would stop moving from the nerves. <laughs> So I thought it might happen too on stage. And I thought, of course, my voice was probably like, I didn't even think of my voice. I just thought I would forget something. My right. fingers would freeze and I'd like fall off the chair. So I wasn't really even thinking of any other stuff. I would just, 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 just get through it. That That's when usually alcohol helps. You're like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, you do a <laughs> shot, you drink a beer, you drink a real quick drink, you get out on stage just to take that off, you know, just like, okay, cool. I got just enough to take the edge off. But so, so you, you, you win this, you win this talent show. And obviously at that moment, you probably, that was when you probably got bit, you know, the seeing bit by the bug. Like I was bit, like, you're like, okay. It's, yeah, it's I, on, knew. Right? I knew. I exactly. knew. I knew this was my path. Yep, absolutely. I knew this, that's what I wanted to do. 
So, and my husband, um, he was in rock bands when he was a teenager. So he knew how to book gigs, like what gear you need to have. He's only just uh, five uh, five years older than me, mm-hmm. but he's known like all kinds of stuff. He knew about monitors. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew he knew what microphones to get. So it's like you know, very basic knowledge, but it was. 100% more than I knew. Right. Um, anyway, and then he said, well, what you should do is um, you should really, we should record your songs in the studio. I'm like, huh? <laughs> studio? What's a studio? Um, and of course. More microphones. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea of any of that. And he said, you know, my rock band, like two years ago, we recorded in the Silicon. So he knew of the, the one studio we had to drive like 100 miles away because it was middle of nowhere. Central Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, not middle of nowhere, but. Right. It's not like the music capital of right. the world. But anyway, so I said, you should really record. I'm like, well, and he told me how much it would probably cost. And then we were both so broke. <laughs> he was a first year, he was a first year teacher. He was teaching in elementary school and I was, you know, a first year college student. Yeah, so Zero um, money between the two of you. Zero. You know? no, I mean, <laughs> nothing. We were so freaking poor. As a matter of fact, I, I had a, I had a car, I had a pickup truck, just the only car I could get. I ended up selling it once we moved in together so I could buy a keyboard because I had no piano, you know. So I sold the truck. It was $950. So, <laughs> and I bought a really, really nice 88-key, weighted-key keyboard, Roland. Nice. I still have it. I was going to say, do you still have <laughs> it? Only, only just it sits in my garage. I'm not getting rid of it just since mental no, reasons. I sold a damn car for it, you know. <laughs> But anyway, so, um, and I was thinking, how could we do it? Because I had no money and no credit cards at that point or anything like that. So, um, somehow, I don't, I, remember, I don't remember how that happened, but I talked to the dean of students who really liked me as a person. And I said, hey, could I possibly send an email to the whole campus saying, like, hey, if you like my song at the, at the talent show, would you like to pre-order my CD. And by pre-ordering, you will help me uh, finance it. So send me 10 bucks to my campus PO box. Right. And uh, give me a name and address. And then when the CD is ready in a few months, you know, and I, uh, so we did that. And people responded. I got several students who sent me 10 bucks, several professors and faculty members. And some people did more than 10 bucks. But most people just did 10 bucks. But we had enough to go for a day and a half <laughs> and, and record that. that. That's like an original, My that's like you album. were crowdfunding before there was a crowdfunding, you know, you were like doing a yes, Kickstarter. Yeah. Yes, before there was a term, before there was a crowdfunding term, I was doing it. But out of desperation, pure desperation, because otherwise I would never be yeah. able to afford that. The Just Joe Podcast is brought to you by EJA Services, a moving company located out of the Utica, Rome area, but servicing all of Central New York and beyond. Let's face it, moving can be stressful. Relax and let the reliable movers take care of tasks for you. From antiques to electronics to home decor items, they have the experience and the equipment to ensure your items will arrive at their destination unblemished and on time. They can move everything from your apartment, condominium, townhouse, single-family home, or office with ease. Competitively priced movers in Utica, New York. Again, they service all of something New York beyond. Moving help, relocation services, office moves, complete packaging services, unpacking, loading services. 
You know what? Maybe you bought some new items for your office or your home. Shouldn't have to stress about that because they can deliver those things too. Contact their moving and delivery specialist to help you have the new furniture, art, piano, items delivered. Visit their office at 9772 River Road in Marcy, New York, or call them at 315-335-0516. That's 315-335-0516. Or go to their website, ejamoving.com, and tell them that Just Joe sent you. Me just jumping in here just to remind you, just to remind you that the Royal Auto Group and Jason Allen are a sponsor of this amazing podcast Thank you, Jason. RoyalAutoGroup.com. That is RoyalAutoGroup.com. The Just Show podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors. And my good friend, Charlie, when it comes to hardwood floors, nobody better in the central New York area than him. He's been doing it his entire life. I mean, entire life. You've walked on floors that he's probably done. You've seen floors. You've seen basketball probably played on those floors. You just ripped up some carpet in your house, realized you got these beautiful hardwood floors underneath it. You want to make them look good? Call Charlie. Call Charlie at 315-463-0674 or at AdvantageHardwoodFloors at gmail.com. You're like, how am I? Yeah, because studio, I mean, now we're so blessed because, you know, we spend a couple hundred, couple thousand dollars on recording equipment and you do everything right in your house now. Like back then you had to like book the time and it was expensive. You're like, hey, we're going to lock out the day for $500 and you had a time. You're like, I got to get this done and perfect it in this time or we're screwed or I'm not going to have have it done. I'm going to have to spend another thousand dollars to come back, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. So it was very, very, you know, time pressure. There was no time to dilly or dally. And it was very frightening and exciting all the same time. And it worked out. I, I printed a thousand copies and we have some local people in town who uh, help print the insert for me like they had like a little printing business and yeah. they just did it for free but we all we all cut them up and stapled them together oh, and like my awesome. one of my professors uh, did the photo shoot for me so we have like an album cover so it was like very like diy through and through with a lot of help from really nice people that's that's well. It's amazing that the dean would do something like that for you, you know, because that he could have easily yeah, just he, said no. That's an abuse of what what this is for, you know. There could have been a couple of different ways, and he would have been justified by saying that. But he he didn't. Once again, another person that came into your path that were like, yeah, I believe in you. Let's do this. Why not? Absolutely. You know? That was now looking back. I also can't believe he let me do that, and he let me send like the campus wide. Nail mail and email, you know, like, so I put things in everybody's, uh, um, box, you know, uh, because everybody had like little yeah. peel box. Yeah. On campus. yeah you and then, the and the emails, because not everybody was reading their emails at this point. You just <laughs> remember like late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so I they had emails, but they weren't. <laughs> I had an email, but we didn't have computers. I, I went to, I didn't, I went to college. I started college in 92. So like we had a computer lab and we had an email, but like if I got over there once every two weeks to the computer lab, I never checked the email. Like who's heck was sending me an email? Like my parents didn't have a computer. Like nobody had, everyone I knew had a computer were people that I went to college with and I saw them every day. So I'm like, why am I sending an email? I see this person every day. You know, of course, course. for me though, you would, there's really side story. I was one of the first, people and first children in the, in the Soviet Union to use email wow. because of my mom's work. My mom was a psychologist and she was on a joint Russian American project, um, developing some, some kind of cross-cultural 
psychology. Something, something for children. I, I'm embarrassed to say that. I don't know what the heck she was doing entirely, but it was a very nice thing. And they had emails. And wow. we had a computer in the like in the late nineties. I had a Mac at home, That's which great. was amazing. <laughs> like people didn't even know what a computer was. Seriously, nobody even heard of email in the eighties. Of course, even like you said, in ninety two, people didn't know what email was. No. But um, at my college, I was already ninety nine, so people knew what email was, but didn't many of them. Yeah, like, we don't, we don't we need this. We got a phone. I don't even have a cell phone, but just call me in my room or come to my room. Like, knock on my door. I'm usually exactly, there. You know? Exactly. That's right. The phone in the room. That's right. Oh, so crazy. So let's jump ahead just because your story is so fascinating. We could go for hours here, but, you know, we we want to keep this in a time constraint. So now we're jumping ahead. You obviously started playing shows. You started turning heads. You ended up going from obviously the Midwest and ended up in a much bigger place to be discovered to do different things, correct? Did you guys move? To, I'm assuming the Los, An- Los Angeles, yes? Yes. The moment, I, the week I graduated from from college, we moved, we just, I was counting days. I didn't even go to my graduation because I couldn't wait to leave and go to California. So we, we drove across the country and got a little place in LA because LA was the place to be there. LA in New York, but no offense to New York, uh, weather sucks. Yeah, right now, trust uh, me, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I know, I know, I you, you know. <laughs> I would have chose. I would have chose the latter too. I would have been like, yeah, mm, New York City or Los Angeles and Los Angeles, <laughs> palm trees, like whatever. Like it might have an earthquake. We might sink into the ocean, but whatever. It's at least the weather will be nice when it happens. You know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What so, a- yeah. So we moved here yeah, so we moved to LA and we knew this was the place to be and I started you know playing clubs and actually I played borders books and music because no club would book me because you have to have a following yeah. and we moved here knowing literally we knew one person in LA one and um so in the club book actually laughed at my face when I called actually those days you could call the club yeah cold I call. called like a singer-songwriter yeah. yeah I called like a singer-songwriter club I said hey can I like open for so-and-so and he's like and I told him that I just moved here and he actually laughed at me because <laughs> you really don't know. Like you have to bring like so many paid people or else you can perform. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to <laughs> bring people if I don't know any people? So, well, that's, <laughs> I don't know. So, but uh, he actually laughed at me when I said I just moved here and I would like to open for somebody. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know what? That, I mean, as, as I would say, like that, that's ballsy, like whatever. Like what's the worst he's going to say? He's going to laugh at you and say no, but it didn't discourage you. I mean, if you made it this far in your career, you're like, whatever, this is nothing compared to what I've been through already. So whatever. Let's, so when, when do you think you had like your, your, your big break in Los Angeles? When did you're like, okay, this, there's really something moving at this point. You know, you finally probably well, got I, into the clubs, but when was that like moment where like, okay, now, now we're getting some steam. Yeah. There was one uh, venue in LA, which still exists called the hotel cafe. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm-mm, not often. It's like, it's like the, it's like bitter end in New York city, okay. but yeah. um, it's, it's, it's more modern. So it's been, it only came about in the early 2000s and, like all the people who was who who were singer songwriters always like that was the place. So I, after two years of playing in Borders Books and Music for free every weekend, I play 125 Borders and Books and Music shows every did you weekend. Get, did and you I get got tips? Did you get tips though? Yes, I got tips and I okay. sold my CDs. Okay. I, I sold Perfect. CDs and I got people to sign up to my email list. So um, yeah, we sold a lot of CDs. It did really well. Actually, it was really fun most of the time. But anyway, and then I got enough 
for 10 days from the borders to get to book a show in a really cool club. And that felt like things started to get better. And then I, in the music magazine, so like a famous manager is looking for artists and he used to manage like Aerosmith and ACDC and the Scorpions oh, and Jack, the Leopard. Jack, and- I read this in your Wikipedia, Jack Douglas, correct? Yeah, that was he's a producer, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I, um, David Krebs was the famous manager okay. because he managed all those guys. And I saw like in an interview that he's looking for artists. I so just like send them my CD, and um, he called me and said he would like to manage me. And I was like, oh my god, that's amazing! So he introduced me to Jack Douglas, who produced John Lennon and Aerosmith and discovered Cheap Trick. Yeah. So working with him was amazing. You know, we went to the studio and recorded a couple of songs. <laughs> a vastly and, um, different studio experience from the one that you had in Illinois, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like, my God. Like you went, you went from that studio, which I'm sure was a nice studio, but then all of a sudden you're working with a guy who literally has the credits of millions of records, you know, working I with... I know, that was very, that was nerve-wracking as well. And I honestly, I don't think I was ready. Yeah. Um, I... Um, but whatever. And it, it was, it was nice. So the manager really tried to get me out there in the way he knew how. So I was his only, only unsuccessful artist and only female and only one who didn't sell millions of records. So it didn't quite work out. But meanwhile, while he was managing me, I did my own thing. I booked tours. I had fans help me book tours. I've had fans sponsor my tours. I have really several records. I ended up even winning like a big international award from um, Sir Bob Geldof. I don't know if you know who that oh, is. Oh yeah, of he course. was like one of like he was uh, the judge who also chose my song and loved it. Yeah, Bob Bob Geldof. And the first time I ever saw Bob Geldof is when I was a kid. My brother brought me a home, copy home of Pink Floyd's The Wall on video, like the the movie, mm-hmm. and Bob Geldof played Pink in the movie. He played the main character. Oh. I'm like, who is this guy? And then he's like, well, he's in this band called the Boomtown Rats. And, and then after that, it was when he was the one that, you know, he started USA Forever or, or, or the Live Aid and all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a what a man to work. Yeah. Jeez. What, like, so, yeah, so what, he heard, so he was when, like, oh, okay. No, when you, when you started getting steam, Man, you got some steam. Like you, you caught the attention of a lot of people real fast. You know, like your trajectory is so unorthodox than compared to most musicians who had to slug and slug and slug. And not saying that you didn't slug, but man, you just the universe was kept putting you in these in these in these paths, which is fascinating. Yes, that that's been amazing. However, none of those amazing things really led to like I really at that point I you know you had to get signed by a label yeah. to get anywhere and every label that my manager sent me to for whatever reason we almost got signed to DreamWorks right before they dissolved. Yes. Um so that was like the closest I've come but like every publisher turned me down every label turned me down and he sent to and then, uh, but meanwhile, I just kept touring because I love performing. So I kept booking shows because he didn't book shows for me, the manager. He just tried to get me a record deal. Right. Um, and that really didn't. But by that time, by the time that he met me, he was already, he wasn't managing anybody at that point. Yeah, he, was, he was in, uh, he was in the twilight yeah, of his was, career, for sure. Yeah, so he wasn't like, he said, well, I don't really, like he, he tried in his way. But also he used, he used to have like a staff of people do stuff for him. So, and then he didn't. So <laughs> he, I know he really believed in me, but I don't think he worked as, as hard 
and she would have or should have was it okay had like leverage of other artists at that point he didn't yes. have another artist to leverage with. if he had that it would have been probably a game changer but whatever it didn't work out meanwhile I didn't just sit there and hold my breath I kept touring I kept making fans and making music and I started like trying to write stuff for different things and I like I landed a Pepsi commercial which is really really cool yeah but you um, it's cool like that here's the thing when you're doing that all on your own you land that stuff the money that comes in from something like that, it may not be up front, but your residuals on that, you're owning 100% of your songwriting, you're owning 100% of your publishing, you own the masters, that's gigantic. You can make more money doing that as if you were assigned to a label and then everyone took a oh, absolutely. million pieces absolutely. of that. Except, except, for my, except for my Pepsi thing, because they um, asked, it was a work for hire, yes. so they basically bought it outright because I, they told me that's how we're going to do it or not. They paid me really good, uh, good money. But yeah, if I had the residuals, it would have been better. But that was at this point the deal they offered. And I, w- I was not in, in a negotiating no, position. No, you, know? you, didn't, you didn't have so the I'm clout. Like, okay. You didn't have the clout. But, but still bought a car with that money that they, they gave, you know, they paid. It was better <laughs> than that. Yeah. That was better than huh? the $950 car that you bought your first piano with, right? It, it, oh my god we, 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 we bought a Prius yeah there you go there you go but, <laughs> man, what, I mean here's the thing and I tell people all the time because I mean I've had record deals I've had you know booking agents and managers and, and, and worked with some of my idols and everything like that and then to tell everybody I make more money doing what I do on my own than I ever did when I was doing all those amazing things and all those things, amazing things obviously was the learning experience that got me to where I could be successful now. Um, but mm-hmm. now everyone's like, well, what if a record label came along or what if this, I'm like, they would have to offer me quite a bit because I'm doing just fine on my own. I know guys that have sold millions of records that tour all the time and I still make more money. Broke. Than them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, some of them are quite broke. Yep. Absolutely. I've met plenty of those in, in LA through the years. And so it's been kind of a blessing that I didn't get that. I would have liked to have, signed with DreamWorks when that was the thing happening, but it, it wasn't in the cards, but I, and so it's been kind of devastating for me because I really wanted to, you know, become bigger. So I never quite made it big in my mind. I was like really, really, really working for that. So it took me a while. And that's where like a lot of depression set in because I, for years I worked on that and tried to get there and I, I never quite got there. So, and nobody really expected anything from me, just my own personal expectations of success. They were not what I was hoping that would be. I never, I never imagined I would be like, you know, a huge, huge, but I, uh, artist, but I thought I could, you know, my dream was to have like a couple of minor radio hits that I knew I would never, I'm not like a pop star, you know, right. shaking ass or anything like that. I could, I probably could never do, um, not like a huge hits, but I could have some. And a good touring career, where I could play like five hundred years. Yeah, and you, know? and you make you make a and, great career out of that. But you you often but wonder, I've never got I've never gotten I've never quite gotten there. I had only one radio hit in Brazil, accidentally by total accident. Brazil. And what, so I've never or, had. Or yeah, let's I, let's sidebar to that. We'll come back to this other story. But okay, you got to tell us about a hit in Brazil. Okay, how did how did this come about? <laughs> Well, um, and I never quite 100% knew exactly how that happened, but <laughs> I had a song 
I had a song. One of my songs was in a. T- I've had a, several songs in TV shows because I really hustled and tried to get it to get my music to into TV shows. Yeah. So like for five hundred submissions, you get like the one uh, that lands. So I, for years, I've done like I. That was like my job during the day. Like that's what I would do. Like pitch my songs. Anyway, so I've landed a few TV things, and one of the bigger ones it was in The Good Wife, which was a show. Oh yeah, that was early, my my ex like, my ex wife was when it was Thursday night or whatever that night that was when The Good Wife was on. Like leave her alone. That was her time. I know that show very well. <laughs> okay, so that was in 2011, and um, somehow that um, helped. Um, like somehow it got to somewhere and like in Brazil, all of a sudden, right after that, I started getting, um, you know, my ASCAP checks. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, like from like, they went from like 15 bucks to like several hundred bucks. And like, it says Brazil, you make me beautiful, which is the name of my song. Huh. Like, what the heck? And then that's when the Facebook was already around. And I feel like have tons of people liking my page from Brazil. That's just so weird. So we never found out exactly how that, but it's somehow. And then um, on, a, on we have now on Spotify, there's uh, the Good Wife playlist for Brazil, and it's on there. So I assume that's how it's connected, but we never found out exactly how. So it became like a top 40, played on the top 40 radio station for like two years, and we got several thousand bucks and residuals, which is like the most money from radio I'd ever gotten. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I, 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 lo- I love both. the I love the internet I, nowadays because weird stuff oh, like that I can just it. happen. Awesome. You know, like I don't even know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like you could do something. Like I've had friends, or I at least have known people that like, yeah, I recorded something in my room one time, and I just put it up on the internet, and then like four years later, it went viral for some freaking reason because someone stumbled upon it and shared it, and it just went those things. I go, that's the thing. Like you never know when something like that could happen, and that's a, that's a prime example of it. You know, have you been able to go to Brazil? Yeah, to play shows because of it or no? Well, here, here, here's the deal. We contacted the radio station and said, hey, like, uh, I'm so happy you're playing my song. Like, we'd love to come play a concert for you. And uh, I said, we will play for free, but can you guys, like, get us at least a airfare and, like, something because we can't just come at our own expense. It right. costs, you know, the thousands with just two of us plus the equipment. I said, we'll play a free show. Just please, like, provide the logistics, provide the stage, obviously, like, because they can promote it. Right. And um, like the one person that was very interested couldn't get it off the ground. And I don't speak Portuguese. And it just, it never quite worked out. Even though I tried, it just never quite, you know, because somebody really has to, I mean, to work hard to put something like this together. Yeah. Get, like, it, but, but they could have gotten like airfare sponsorship and stuff like that. But somebody would have to really try and do it. And, yeah, even even if you, I couldn't, I, I couldn't force them. No, no. Like, I mean, that's the thing. You you could have even have paid for yourself to get there, but if someone couldn't secure the place for the show to happen, and I'm sure Brazil is like, I've heard, you know, I've heard varying things of what Brazil can be. It can be absolutely beautiful in spots, and then you get into these other parts parts of Brazil, and it's just extreme poverty. So I can imagine yep, that totally. it's very difficult so, yeah. to get some things done as opposed to what, like here in the States, you're like, Hey, I know a couple people and I'll get that and that. And but you can throw things together. I'm sure it's a little bit difficult when you're in, you know, a country in South America. So especially yes, for someone. And, and I, it, 
no go no, <laughs> but go I tried like I, I feel like my my uh, conscience is clear because I have really tried I've really offered them this and this I said oh, well I can do this can do that and I kept in touch and kept asking them but there's only so much yeah like that would have to pick up the ball. And when they were really interested, I sent them some of my new music. They played a little bit of my new music, but that never took off like that other song. So no. Who knows? Well, you don't know. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So let's, let's, now let's jump ahead. And, and in how you and I connected was, you know, was Twitch, which is a lot of my new podcast guests have been people that I've met on Twitch because it just opened my eyes to so many other amazing musicians. You know, before it was kind of really the uh, more closed, closed circuited because I was just playing the circuit around my city here in, in, in Syracuse. Um, but once I got on there, it was like the, the world opened up and then we started seeing all these other people and then we stumbled upon you. And um, so how did you find Twitch? Was Twitch something that you were aware of before the pandemic or was like, hey, all my gigs are gone. I got to try to do something here and ended up on Twitch. Well, again, like a lot of things that happen in my life, it happened just totally just so naturally. I um, So my husband and I have been together for all these years. We've toured the world. We've played 1,100, over, over 1,100 concerts around the world. Wow. We, he and I have toured everywhere and done all kinds of stuff. And um, at one point, um, or three years ago, I guess now, I, I became pregnant. Uh. <laughs> and we were not really planning either way. Like, we were not like, never children. Or like, yes, we must. It was kind of like, if it happens, it happens. Well, it happened. Right, yeah. And so I was pregnant. And like, well, that's going to be a whole whole different life now for us. And I was 40 when, uh, when I had the first ultrasound of the baby. So, um, anyway, and we just, you know, I thought like, how am I going to do it? Cause I love performing with the baby. It's going to be not only difficult for me, I don't want to have lifestyle for her. Kids need stability and like sleep. She doesn't want to be like in a van with us touring. Right. It's plus not, plus not, you got pregnant at a later age and we all know when you get yeah. pregnant closer to your 40, I mean, it's not a high risk pregnancy, but it's, it's, you're not a spring chicken. You have to be careful. You can't do the things of that you course. did if you were pregnant of when you're 22. So I'm sure it's, that weighed into it, you know? Exactly. And then I thought like, I couldn't imagine having a small child and then touring. I'm like, I like my comfort now. You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to tour with a small child unless we, if we were really wealthy, then we could have yeah, like a different, tour right. bus and, you know, and nanny. a nanny, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. There's no money for nanny or big tour bus. So no, no we don't want to, I don't want to tour. Anyway. So, and uh, one of my friends, uh, her name is Karen Allen. She, I've known her for years from just LA. She does a lot of women, um, Things for women in the industry, and she said, "Hey, she's seen me hustle for years and work hard and play gigs." And have you heard of Twitch? Um, I think that might be something for you. And believe it or not, that was like literally the month I was thinking I need to find somewhere online, except for like I really did not like concert window because you had to pay, people had to buy tickets, right? In the six, uh, so that the only the people that know me know growth potential, right? So and it said Twitch, and she helped me set it up because it's a quite a learning curve to sure get it is. done well. <laughs> and, and she, I was her guinea pig for it. And she wrote the book called Twitch for Musicians. Oh, no kidding. So, that, okay, so that's who I'm like, why does that name sound so familiar? That's why. <laughs> she wrote Twitch for Musicians and, uh, uh, and then she helped Dan Navarro also set up on Twitch because he's an old time, old friend of mine. 
That, anyway, I, think, so I think that's, that's, how, how, we, that's, that's how it happened. That's how I think how we discovered you is because of Dan. I think that was. Yes, the, absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think that was the conduit because <clears throat> I was aware of Dan because he came here to Syracuse prior to the pandemic to play a show and I didn't get to see him. So he played my friend's venue. She's like, you got to come down and see this guy. He wrote We Belong with his partner. He's got this amazing songwriter. He's had this career. Like, I got a gig that night. I'm going to miss it. So I missed it, but she sent me some video of it. And then one night on Twitch, all of a sudden I get a, an incoming raid from Dan Navarro. I'm Dan Navarro. I'm like, mm-hmm. I go, I got to say into my camera. I'm like, Dan Navarro, like the Dan Navarro, of, you know, Navarro and Lowen and wrote We Belong. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's that Dan. And so I played We Belong. And he's like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, I've been thinking about recording this for my record. And, and, you know, Dan, Dan's such a sweetheart of a guy and like, what, what a, what a great dude. But yeah, that, that I'm like, where did we end up finding you? And now it's all coming back. I was like, it was definitely. Because yeah. And that's Dan. how, that's how I heard of you through Dan. And he just told me how much he loved you. That's actually, um, he said you and Taryn in Seattle outside of me, of yes, course, and Taryn, uh, on yes. Twitch, he just, he loved you guys. Um, so, um, that's how, I, um, I got connected and just, and then I started checking you out. But yeah, but Twitch, that was a year before the pandemic began when I started switching. Um, and I was seven and a half months pregnant with my first stream. And um, by the way, Dan and I did a duet for We Belong. We made a music video for it too. Won an award for it, Hollywood Music Award. And in the video, I am like eight and a half months pregnant. I'm like about to pop. And <laughs> you he and you I could have won in any it. moment at that rate. You're like, I could, I could, I could. <laughs> give birth right here so let's get this yeah going. it was three weeks before i gave birth yeah it was three weeks before i gave birth it was, anyway so we made a video together because we've been wanting to collaborate for years and finally did that and funnily enough pat benatar was pregnant when she recorded we belong so and i had no idea and dan told me so that huh. was quite kind of like one of those things that's kind of just fell into place it's serendipitous so yeah so i started yeah. Yeah, yeah, serendipity. So I started doing Twitch, and I love it. I love it so much. I love the community. I love, like you said, discovering people and other yeah. artists and people from around the world. And it, honestly, as much as I've dealt throughout my life with depression, because I I've realized like working out and performing that's what really keeps my depression at bay. Amen. So, so Amen. Um, with the baby when she first came. I had no energy or time to work out and I couldn't even perform, but I made myself perform once a week. I would gather the energy and I stream on Twitch once a week. <laughs> and that really helped me from going insane. Yeah, I bet. I'm so grateful so, for that. So what are the plans going for? I mean, here's the thing. We could, we kind of done a deep dive because your career obviously took a lot of other twists and turns that have some amazing stories. So we'll have to have a, at some point, a part two to follow this up after everyone <laughs> hears it. But like, what's, what's the plan now is to keep streaming. I know you're, you're writing still. Like, are you itching to get back out onto the road on, on some sort of level? Maybe not as, rigorous it was before but i mean are you looking to do that again to be honest no i will do one-off shows i unless a really good tour opportunity comes along like right before i got pregnant i toured with beth hart as her opener oh, i don't know God. if you know who beth hart is I she love is incredible she's incredible her, so I toured her, with her version gorgeous theater oh when she sang uh at the kennedy it. center awards yeah, that is, she, she is a, she is a uh, genius. She, she is just amazing. Is. Right, so imagine go ahead, go touring ahead. with her. Oh my so anyway, so I toured with her. That was my last like big tour before I became pregnant. So uh, unless like something really big like that and wonderful comes along, I'll do once in a while, like one-off shows. Yeah. But to be honest, I really, really love the convenience of Twitch. 
My only thing, I would like to stream more. Right now, I only have energy because the baby now, so she's two and a half now. I stream only three times a week, but only I can do two hours. I feel like I just, I don't have, I I get really tired because I, you know, taking care of a small child is a lot. (laughs) So when she, when she hopefully goes to to preschool, hopefully in a few months, I'd like to stream longer. So my Success hasn't been as great on Twitch yet because I know a lot of people like they go there do every every day like for four yeah. hours and it's really but for me it has been like seriously for a while I streamed once a week for two hours. Joe. Yeah, it's, so it's, it was it's, really it'll, it'll very happen. slow going. It, it doesn't it's even matter. Going. I, I used to stream seven days a week, then I went down to like five days a week, then I went to four days a week. Now I'm down to like three only because we just kind of honed in on like what it is. But the beauty of Twitch is that like. It's not going anywhere, right? And it's going to be there when uh-huh. you're ready. When you're and when you're ready, and something tells me, like the way that your life has gone. Not even talk. Let's not even talk about your career. Let's talk about your life. The way your life has gone, like you, I, you may think that, like, oh well, you know, a couple months and I'll be preschool, or in a couple of years I'll be able to stream more. Like I have a feeling things will take another twist for you because. Oh, that's the way well, you're very kind but th- <laughs> I, it's hope, true. I would love for a good twist when, when when things like that when you have an energy about you and that's the one thing that i'm absolutely a fan obviously first and foremost but secondly now talking to you and getting to know you a little bit more there's this energy about you and and, and it's people that have energy like that that these things happen to and some people are like how did that happen to them how did that happen to them well first of all you you put your time in People didn't see it. They didn't, hard work. They put a ton, I mean, you were cold calling. You were literally calling places in Los Angeles. Hey, I'm here. Do you want me to play? And they're like, who the hell are you? Like, no, they laugh at you. But you weren't afraid to do that. Like, those are the hours that no one sees. But something tells me that the twist and turns in the energy that you give out to the to the to the universe will always come back to you. And it's going to not change. It's only going to get crazy because because just when i say this just when i think my career is like okay this this sound things are going to ride out all right cool i'm happy with this and then something gets thrown at me or i get a phone call or i get an email and then all these other opportunities start coming i'm like all right well i guess i'm i have no idea what the hell is going to happen next i'm just going to enjoy this ride and i think that's going to same thing's going to happen to you when you can finally like okay i'm going to get back onto this onto the horse a little bit more but i mean you're being a mom right now and that's way more important you know Way more important. I agree. Thank you. But I, I want to do it all. I, I want to be a mom and like, <laughs> succeed. I mean, I'm doing well on Twitch, but not as well as you, sir, but or right. some other people that I know and really love. And it's not for the lack that I suck or it's not because I'm bad. It's just, just I you need to, it's more hours on Twitch literally to get more people right, to right. You just read have, you, to, yeah. to notice you, to follow you, to subscribe to you. Well, That's yeah. I just. Well, give people a chance to see you more right it's discoverability you're getting in the algorithms yes. you get in front of people but that 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 will come you know because everyone's like well what's going to happen now that your gigs are coming back i'm like i was playing 300 plus gigs a year for the better part of 10 years of my career you know i yeah. mean i think i've played nearly uh 3500 gigs and i'm everyone's like oh my god shows i'm like yeah but some of them were like a a bar mitzvah or like someone's backyard barbecue i mean it's a gig is a gig but i've played a lot and now the gigs are coming back i used to play 20 to 25 times a month now i'm playing like five times six times a month and i'm doing most of my stuff at home like when i get off the Mm -hmm. stream when i get off the podcast with you i'm gonna go eat something real quick i'm gonna come sit back down in the same chair i'm at and i'm gonna play for four hours tonight on twitch so it's gonna happen for you and and i mean my community loves you 
My moderators love you. I love you. And when it's time, you know, we're always going to throw you a bone and, and keep the, keep the, keep the good work going. So, but I, oh, you're so kind. Thank <laughs> you, Joe. But I definitely, I definitely have to have you back because there's more to your story that I need. I need to know. And I know my <laughs> pod, the people that listen to this podcast, you know, I know the feedback and they're going to be like, Oh my God, like we need to know more. So a part two will happen eventually. If you would love to come back, I would love to have, I you. would love to, you know, Joe, I have to say one thing uh, before we go. I know you have to go eat and get ready. I have done literally hundreds of interviews in my career. This is like the best I've ever had. I, and, and because you're, you're not only smart and um, compassionate and also a musician, but also just like it's, all of those things combined and something else I can't quite figure out yet. You just really get to the bottom of stuff. And so, I mean, you've had tons of interviews yourself, I'm sure. And how often do they suck or just not interesting or, (laughs) so this was awesome. You're doing like, I, now I want to interview you and do the same thing to you. If you I do, I, mean, I, I, that's <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't have a podcast yet. No. But, I got, I got um, in, I got into podcasting because I was doing radio here in Syracuse, which I still do from time to time. I'm on the radio station in the morning show. And I just, the guy that's the host, he's like, man, I really think you'd be good at like interviewing and talking to people like you, you can talk to people and that's all podcast is. It doesn't have to be an interview. It's just a conversation. Let's sit down. Like, cause I got some people come on they're like, well, what, what's the agenda? I'm like, I don't have one. <laughs> like we're going to, we're just going to start talking and we'll see where it goes. I mean, obviously I got some things in my mind and that's what it comes down to. Let's just sit down and have a conversation, not an interview. Let's have a conversation. And that's what we just had. So. Well, this was amazing, and I'm not just, you know, it's it's the truth, and and you even uplifted me in the end. So thank you so much for that, because <laughs> I've I've been, you know, a bit bummed lately that I'm not growing as fast as I should be on Twitter. You will. Or is it? Is it? You will. I was hoping I would be. So you're very kind. You're I, so nice. Go eat some food. I will. Thank I you will. for being so amazing. Yeah, you have a four-hour stream ahead yeah, of you, sir. I got it. I got it. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be in touch. And again, thank you for being on. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, I can't wait to share this with uh, the people who know yes, me and for I them will. to discover you as well. All right. Take care. Thank have a good too. evening. All right. Go All right. eat. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Now you can see why I wanted to have her on the podcast. It's it's fascinating. Like once one it was one thing when I first saw her because I'm like, oh my god, this girl is insanely talented. And that was that that'll come through. I'll be posting links to her Twitch and her YouTube and everything else in the socials when this when this episode goes up. But I, I suggested you really go down the rabbit hole with her and her her, and her career because we only touched on it because we were going to be running out of time. That podcast could have easily gone three hours with all the things that she's done. But I mean, I really think we hit all the points of like all that. But what drew me in originally was her talent. And then I dug into her story and I'm like, oh my God, I have to talk to this. I have to talk to this woman. They're like, what an amazing story. And like to actually hear it, it's one thing to read it on Wikipedia or on her website and be like, oh, that's, that's really cool. But then when you hear something like that, and it, this is a girl that grew up in Russia with like, <laughs> in Russia, in communist Russia, and, and was like somehow has made her way to the United States by doing those amazing little stories, you know, like she took advantage of all that stuff. She busted her ass. That's what it comes down to. 
you put the work in, you put the hours in and not, talent is one thing. It's the work ethic that will take that talent to the next level. So she, Marina, thank you so much again for being on. You are an amazingly kind soul. I can't wait to get to know you more and to meet all these other people that are in your life and, and obviously to collaborate. That's one thing I didn't even bring up. I hope you're listening to this and hear this part. And I'm sure I'll be texting you and telling you the same, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to, to be a fan and I'm honored that you are on this podcast. Um, episode 51 in the books. You guys heard from my sponsors, EJA moving Charlie and advantage hardwood floors. And of course, Jason Allen at the Royal Auto Group. Click on their links if you any of those things. If you're looking for a car, hardwood floors, or you're moving things, not just moving house, moving anything. I got some great people around me, and it's, w- without them, uh, I wouldn't be able to keep these light, quote unquote, lights on during this podcast. So I appreciate all my sponsors. If anybody else wants to sponsor this, let me know. If you guys got any feedback about this episode and any other episodes, please let me know because this only helps further things along. I got some great guests coming up in the upcoming weeks. I appreciate you taking your time to listen to my big doll, bald, dumbass talk to some amazing people till next time. Friends. Yeah.